It was our first family vacation, just the family, after we had our oldest child, Ethan. He was about a year and a half at the time. And I got online and I went to one of those websites that doesn't show you exactly where you're staying, but just the class of where you're staying. And I put in a bid and it was ridiculously low what, what I thought when I saw the price. And I'm like, perfect, that is great, I can't believe it. And a little, little tip, if you're ever on those websites and you're like, ah, but where am I going to be staying? If you put in that neighborhood, you'll then get to see the hotels and then note how many reviews there are. And then when you go back to the one where they don't show you, but then you see the same amount, then you know where you're staying. Uh, but alas, that's, that's what I did. And I could tell that it was a clean place and it was a really nice place. And uh, we got it for really cheap, which is what I was all about. And so that was, that was great. So I, I, I got, the, got the hotel. Uh, we drove all day. Ethan was sleeping in the car, so we pulled up to the hotel. I told Brooke, I said, hey, I'll go check us in. You just stay in the car with Ethan. Let him sleep. Once we're all checked in, then I'll give you guys the room key. You can go right on up to the room. Went in, got checked in. They gave us a couple room keys, and they asked me at the front desk, sir, would you like us to park your car and take your bags to your room for you? And I'm like, well, what's that going to cost me? And they're like, oh, just 25 bucks. I'm like, $25? No, I got this. It's, it's fine. There, there was some free parking on site. It was a little bit of a walk, but $25. I, I can carry a couple bags. I'm, I'm fine. And so I went out to the car, and, and I, I told Brooke, all right, go ahead and carry Ethan up to, up to the room. Here's your room key. I'll just park the car, and I'll be there in a couple minutes. Well, I had to go find the free parking. And after I found the free parking, I then opened up the back of the car, and that's where I realized I had two suitcases, a pack-and-play, which is basically a fold-up crib, a book bag, a diaper bag, a stroller, and an overnight bag, and no luggage cart. So one of the suitcases was on wheels, the other was not. Uh, so I started with the book bag, put that over my shoulders, wore that on the back. Next was the diaper bag, flung that around my neck, so that was in front of me. Uh, had the suitcase over here, pulled that up, and put, I think, the overnight bag over that handle, and then was carrying the other suitcase and kind of dragging the stroller on the wheels behind me when I made it to the hotel door and discovered that it was locked. So I had to let go of something, fumbled in my pockets, found the room key, got the door open, Finally got everything maneuvered back in my hands. I'd put the room key in my pocket, and the door slammed shut, uh, locked again. So this time, I found the room key, which was again in my pocket, and got the door open, put my body in front of it, then got my hands all situated, made it to the elevator, Put down the things because, again, you needed the room key to push a button on the elevator. So hit the room key, hit up. This was on the second floor where the parking structure was. And the elevator arrives, and I've got my hands full, and the elevator doors open, and it's just full of people. And I'm like, I'll catch the next one because I'm going to give somebody a concussion maneuvering in here if I don't. Have a good night. And so they went on, and then I caught the next elevator. And then I took it to the 14th floor. And then it felt like we were a half mile down the hallway for where we were. As I'm struggling to get out of the elevator, and then every tight turn, I'm, I'm, the, the suitcase is just catching a corner. And I get to the door, and I'm just beyond the point of wanting to dig in my pockets or let anything down again. And so I just kick the door, and then Brooke comes and opens the door. And she didn't say anything. 
But in her eyes, she said everything. And for those of you who are married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The words are not uttered, but only because they don't have to be. In her eyes was this look like, you idiot. For $25, somebody else could have parked our car and gotten all of this up here. But for $25, you wanted to do this yourself. And she just kept looking at me. And to which I finally responded, are you just going to stand there and look at me or are you going to actually grab a bag? Which, let me tell you, got our vacation started off on a fantastic note. It was just a great first night of vacation. It was like, those are the words of affirmation she had longed to hear her entire life. And so she was in a really good mood for the rest of that night. All because I tried to carry everything myself. I look at our world right now, and I wonder, what are we trying to carry? A pandemic, the tragedies that we've seen on full display have gone on for far too long, but are now being captured on video that are being replayed over and over to bring awareness, but also to stoke a fire. We've seen protests which have morphed in some tragic situations into rioting. We, we've, we've seen all of this just on, on, top of, on top of the economic distress that people are experiencing from the pandemic, on top of the social distress of people being locked in their homes, unable to go anywhere, on top of having no release of no sporting events or, or entertainment. The reality is this has impacted you. It's impacted us all. And this morning what we're going to see is that we don't have to go through life alone. And we don't have to carry it ourselves. So if you have your phones or your tablets, I'd invite you to take them out. If you're here with us, if you have your location services enabled on your device, it'll pop right up under the event feature in the Bible app, Lakeside Community Church. If you're watching online, thanks for joining us this morning. You'll just want to type in zip code 54201, 54201, Lakeside Community Church. We're going to be looking at James 5 today. James was the half-brother of Jesus. Good luck growing up with Jesus as your older brother. <laughs> But he'd go on to pastor a church, and he wrote this letter, and we're going to start in James 5, 13, where we read these words. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. I read these words, and I'm like, is anyone amongst us not suffering right now? That's just the reality of where we are. 2020, no one signed up for, and we cannot wait for 2021. Like, we've already all had enough of this year. But is, any, is anyone among you suffering? You look, and, and on full display, our country's suffering. Our people are suffering. Yes, we're suffering. That much is clear. The solutions, they're, they're much more difficult. But the fact that it's crystal clear to everyone is that we are all very much suffering. And so this morning, we're just going to put into practice what we're told. And we're collectively just going to pray. And so throughout this morning, I'm going to offer some prayer prompts for you. And what I want you to do is I just want you to finish the prayer prompts in your own heart. And I'll start them, and then just wherever God leads you, I invite you to take in your own heart 
and then we'll move on collectively together. But I invite you right now to pray. God, as I confront this unrest, I ask that you would. Lord, as I determine how I should respond, I pray I could. God, as I grow tired and frustrated, I ask you to specifically... And then he continues verse 13 with this. He says, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. And that's what we've just done, but it may not be readily available in your mind because of everything that's been going on in our world and in our lives recently. But, but go back. Take yourself back to a time where you just remember being cheerful, where you just remember joy. Take yourself back to that time in your life. Maybe it was when you first fell in love. Maybe it was when you graduated. Maybe it was when you landed your dream job or you bought your dream house, whatever the case may be. But take yourself back to that time where you were just so full of joy. It's the time when your car windows are down. You're just singing at the top of your lungs and people are staring at you because you're tone deaf and you just don't even care. You don't even know all the words to the song, so you just make up the words to the song. And that only makes you sing louder. And they're staring at you like you have lost your mind and you could care less because the joy is real. It's real. You know, we just got done singing to God, and and we say that sometimes we sing because we believe it, and sometimes we sing to help us believe it. And the truth is, right now, for a lot of us, it's going to be really hard to to get ourselves in the mindset of, of the good times. But I just want to promise you this, that this is not your destiny. As a follower of Jesus, this is not your destiny, and this does not define you. And good days, better days are coming. That's promised to those of us who follow Jesus. And so whether they're in this life or the next, better days are our promise and they are our future. And so right now when it seems like all hope is lost, right now when it seems like there is nothing but doom and gloom and angst and anguish, we don't have to be consumed with the hopelessness that we see on full display. We have hope because of the work of Jesus and what he has done on our behalf and for for us. And so we, in spite of so much to be, to be concerned about, rightfully so, in spite of so much anguish, we can still have hope and we can still find joy because of who God is and what he wants to do. So we're going to praise him. We're going to praise him. And I know some of you, you read this verse and you're like, oh, that's great. I hate music. We're all going to stand and sing. We're not going to stand and sing right now. So you don't have to worry about that. We don't have to worry about But we are going to praise God right now. So I'm, I'm going to pray and I'm going to lead you in some prompts. And I know this is going to be difficult for a lot of people. But I'm just, I'm encouraging you and I'm challenging you 
you go back to wherever you need to go back to and you find it. But let's praise God because he's unchanged and his goodness has not ceased because of all that's going on in the world. I praise you, God, all day long because you have. I will thank you because you have rescued me from. Lord, I proclaim that you are great because. Amen. Verse 14 goes on to say this, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Now there's a lot of implications here. We're just going to unpack a couple thoughts here. But the, the main idea behind this is when you are sick, when you find yourself getting the diagnosis or even the tests that are going to reveal the diagnosis that bring you anxiety, that lead you to angst, when you are facing down the surgery that you know there's a high probability is going to go successful, but you've started to Google the statistics, even though they'll tell you never do that, and then all the doubt creeps in your mind and all the wonders of what if, what if, what if plague you to the point you cannot sleep. When you get the, when you get the diagnosis, that you never saw coming and all of a sudden your whole world is upended and you question almost everything in the midst of all that the message is don't walk through that alone don't go through that alone and I know the mindset for some people is but I'm a very private person well you don't have to tweet about it all right nobody nobody said you have to make it your Facebook stats but but the reality is don't walk through that season in that situation alone. Don't allow yourself to carry all of that weight and all that anxiety and all that angst. What you do is you go and you find people who are spiritually mature. People who love Jesus. And you confide in them what's going on. You ask them to walk through the situation and the season with you. And to pray for you. So when you're sick, don't hold it in. You don't have to let everyone know. But let someone know. Let someone who's mature in their faith, who can come alongside you, who can encourage you, who can pray for you, and can help you. So that you're not isolated. And going through this all by yourself. And there's another implication here as well. The implication is this. When you're sick, find the best medical care you possibly can. We're going to talk about this in, in just a minute. But find the best medical care that you possibly can. That is not a lack of faith on your part. God has given us amazing advances in terms of technology, in terms of sciences, in terms of finding treatments. And so if you find yourself 
ill, get the best medical care that you possibly can. That doesn't indicate there's a lack of faith on your part to feel like God isn't going to heal you or do his work if you seek out a doctor and seek to get the best care that is available to you. Now we get to this idea about anointing with oil. And I believe that there are two implications here for us today. Some people are like, nah, there's only one, and that's, that's fine. We can disagree on that. I, I think there's two, and, and they might sound a little bit weird to you uh, at, at this idea of anointing somebody with oil. And you're like, do, do we do that? Do we, do we anoint people with oil? Do, what, what's that all about? Because that seems, seems a little strange. And, and let me walk you through the two, the two implications that I believe are the reason that James wrote these words, and I still think are in practice today. The, the first idea is that in a lot of cultures, in a lot of cultures, olive oil has antibiotic properties. And in a lot of cultures, they'll use olive oil and other oils for medicinal purposes. And especially when these words were written 2,000 years ago, oils were used for their antibiotic properties and they were used for other medical care as well. And so when James says, anoint their head with oil, he's talking about medical care and medical solutions to people who are ill. But I think there's another implication to this as well, and that's the second implication. And the second implication is this idea of anointing that we see throughout Scripture, but primarily in the Old Testament. And the anointing conveyed a message. It conveyed, and, and we saw this with kings who were anointed, and we saw this with, with some prophets and as they would anoint people as well. What we saw was anointing revealed God's favor and covering. It revealed God's favor and covering. And so will we anoint people when they find out that they're sick and they're asked to be and they asked to be prayed for? Absolutely, because it's a reminder for people that as followers of Jesus, they have God's favor, and he's got them, that they are his. And it's just children. There's nothing we have to fear. So if people come to us and they're like, hey, pray for me, but this, this whole idea, you know, I'm sick, but this whole idea of oil, that's, that's a little out. That's, that's cool. We'll pray for you. No problem at all. But if you're like, hey, you know, if, if you'd pray for us and you, we want you to anoint us with oil, we're open to that as well because we want to give you the picture and the reminder that you are covered and you are God's child, that you are his now, we're not going to pull out the giant thing of olive oil and just start pouring the whole bottle over your head and somebody grabs a loaf of bread like it's an Italian restaurant and just catches the dripping down and we all have a... Like, we're going to put a little bit of oil on your head and that's, you know, you want to do a little bit more than that, that's cool. Do whatever you want at your house, get the whatever. We'll put a little oil on your forehead and, and we'll pray over you. But this is the reality. When you're sick, if you're sick, don't go through that alone. Don't walk through life alone. So right now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prompt us to pray. And it might be for you. Or it might be for somebody you know. Join me. God, I ask that you would heal and comfort. Amen. 
Verse 16 says this, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking right now, isn't confession just for Catholics? You're like, what's, what's this all about? And the answer to that is no, it's not. And here's why. Every single one of us struggles. Every single one of us. My struggles are going to look different than your struggles. And your struggles are going to look different than my struggles. Doesn't mean that my struggles are worse than your struggles or, or better than your struggles, and vice versa is true. The reality is, every single one of us struggles with sin. There are times as followers of Jesus we get it right, and we are tempted and we are successful. And there are times that we as followers of Jesus get it wrong, and we are weak, and we sin, and we fall short. But as everyone who's ever had a struggle will tell you, it's always more difficult when you walk through it alone. It's always more difficult when you walk through it in isolation. When you don't share with anybody what's really going on in your life. Now, does this mean I'm inviting you all to come into my office this week and tell me every horrible thing that you've done for the last week? Please don't. Please don't. Like, that just sounds like a horrible time for you and for me right? I'm just not interested. Now, I'm more than happy to walk with you through issues in your life, but this isn't, a, this isn't the idea that we just need to come through and just give me the laundry list of your sins. That's, that's not what the principle of this is. The principle is that when you find yourself struggling, you go to somebody who's spiritually mature, who loves God and loves you. Second, who can keep their mouth shut. And that's very important. You do not want what you share with them to be shared with anyone else. I tell people often that whatever you tell me, I will take to the grave. And I mean that. There are things that I know about, well, let's be honest, there are things I know about you <laughs> that nobody else will ever know. And I will take to the grave. And there are people who know things about me that I know. Won't tell anybody else. And will take them to the grave. You need people like that in your life. You need people who love you enough that, they, that you can tell whatever's going on. Those things that you don't want anyone to know. But you also need people who love you enough to be willing to tell you the hard truth that you don't want to hear. We need each other. And it starts, it starts with us. So right now, we're just going to make sure that our hearts are right. God, I confess that I recently spoke evil when I I confess my temptation to act deceitfully, especially when I confess my need to seek and pursue peace 
my relationship with. Amen. Then verse 17 says this, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Now, we don't have time to go there this week, but if you just want a great history lesson, if you want just an awesome story, and sometime we'll do this because it's just a phenomenal story. A little weird, but it's just phenomenal story of all that God did through the prophet Elijah. Then I just encourage you this week, check out 1 Kings 17 and 18, and your mind's just going to be blown. And it's, it's just, it's fascinating. But here, James gives us a history lesson. And he says, remember back. Remember back to Elijah. And this, this, just, this just jumped off the page to me when I read it. Remember Elijah. And he was a man with a nature like ours. See, we have a temptation to dehumanize and superficially evaluate, or superficially exalt people. That's what we do. We do that with celebrities, we do it with athletes, we do it with politicians. We, we, have, we just have this, this thing that we do. We dehumanize them, we take the humanity out of them, and then we superficially exalt them to a level, to the point that some people, when they meet a celebrity, can't speak. They, they get tongue-tied, they, they, they forget their name, if you've ever seen any of these encounters. I mean, they're, they're, truly, they're truly phenomenal. And, and it's just because they've dehumanized somebody, they've taken their humanity from them, and they've superficially exalted them. And in the same way that that's done to celebrities, we can do that to people that we read about in Scripture. And we can forget the fact that God used people who are just like us. Now, he did some really incredible things through their lives and through their stories. But they were normal people, just like you and me. And here's Elijah, James says, who God did some incredible things through. But don't miss it. Don't miss it. For, for, for three years and six months, it didn't rain. But, but why? Because he prayed fervently. Because he prayed fervently. I just wonder. What have we stopped asking God for? Let me tell you the biggest problem that a lot of us will face in life. The biggest problem that a lot of us will face in life is we're competent, qualified people. And in our competencies and in our qualifications... We subtly reduce our need for God. We don't say that, of course. But we live that way. And the greatest indicator of that is your prayer life. What are you depending on yourself for that you should depend on God for? So right now, I'm just asking you to take a look in your life and to see what do you need to stop relying on yourself for. 
and to give to God. God, I confess, instead of depending on you to intervene, I have tried to. Amen. And then the last two verses we're going to look at today, verses 19 and 20, where we read this. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Again, we need, we need to speak. We need people to speak hard truths in our lives. We need each other because we need people to speak hard hard truths in our lives, truths that we do not want to hear when we need to hear them. We need people who love us enough to tell us things that will not be popular, to tell us things that we don't necessarily want to hear, but we need to hear, and we need those people to speak hard truths in our lives, and we need to be people who are willing to speak hard truths in the lives of others. That doesn't give you a license to be a jerk about how you do it. I mean, Scripture is very clear. Speak the truth in love. But we have to be people who other people can speak into our lives. And we need to be people who speak into the lives of others. Even when it's unpopular. Even when it's something they don't want to hear. That's what love requires us to do. This is the benefit. This is the benefit of community. That we don't have to carry everything by ourselves. Because the truth is, I could carry all of those bags. I could carry all of those supplies from my trunk to the hotel room. But honestly, by the time I got there, my hands hurt, my back hurt, and it put me in a really bad mood that got our vacation started off on the wrong foot because I tried to carry it all by myself. And when you look at what's going on in the world right now, a pandemic, the horrible things we've seen unfold over the past couple weeks to the response that we've seen, in some cases an inappropriate response that we've seen unfold to those horrible things that we've seen unfold. And buckle up, everybody, because this fall we get a presidential election. So 2020 is just going to get better and better. (laughs) You can't carry it yourself. But you don't have to. In fact, you were never meant to. And that's the whole point. That you and I, we need each other. That's the whole point of community. My hope and my prayer is that every single person who walks into Lakeside, whether it's here physically or whether it's via an online stream, they would really understand the fact that they are not alone. We need each other. 
And we need to take each other to an encounter with our God. So what's in your hands? What's on your back? What are you dragging? What are you carrying that you need to let go of? Because you're trying to do it all on your own. And you were never meant to. Let go. God, I pray that we would be people who don't try to do things all on our own. I pray that we would be people who are there for each other. pray for the person who's here who's overwhelmed. Who finds themselves just at a breaking point. Suffering is all that's on the horizon. It's all that can be remembered. I pray they wouldn't carry it alone. Pray for the person who's sick and nervous. Pray that they wouldn't feel like they have to walk through that journey alone. I pray for the person who's just started to think they can do it all on their own. God, we need each other. And we need you. So the weight that is heavy and very real that is weighing on all of us now, I pray that we'd stop trying to do it ourselves. we would experience community and freedom when we encounter you. Take what's holding us back. Take what's weighing us down. Let us freely surrender it to you. In your son, Jesus' name we pray.